0: Hi, I'm Mark.
1: And I'm Bethan.
0: And welcome to episode 10 episode of Seating Red, welcome. a UK true crime podcast.
1: Ha, I've got you going too.
0: Yeah, you've got to, got to say it, haven't you?
1: Welcome, guys. I can't believe we're on episode 10.
0: Yeah, it's pretty momentous. I
1: know. I, I'm really impressed with us. So I'm so pleased.
0: You did say you would bake a cake, however.
1: Oh, shit. And I've
0: not seen the cake. I completely
1: fucking forgot. I'll make a cake for your birthday episode. Yeah,
0: that sounds good.
1: Our birthdays this year are on Tuesdays, I think. So Yeah, we have um, the same
0: day for our birthday every Not year. the same
1: birthday, guys, but just... Four if, weeks
0: apart. Yeah. No, if it's one on week a, apart.
1: Yeah, one week apart. One
0: week apart. And then
1: it's Christmas as well. So whatever day Mark's birthday is will be the day that my birthday is and the day that Christmas Day is.
0: Yeah.
1: Fun. Fun fact. Fun fact for you all before we start the episode.
0: So, what have you got for us today, Bethan? It's
1: still a surprise. I'm going to get you to try and guess... Okay. See if you can guess based on location and year.
0: Okay, um, is it before 2010?
1: No, it's in 2010. How did you guess that? That's weird. Okay,
0: 2010. Is it a murder? Yes. Is it murder of somebody under the age of 30?
1: Can you not try and guess now and can I start my episode and then... Okay. Because I've written it. I can edit this
0: out.
1: <laughs> yeah, edit out all of me talking and then just have you triumphantly saying, yes, I got it right. Yay! So, you ready to begin?
0: Yep, go for it.
1: Episode 10. So today's case is set in Northumberland, which is a county in northeast England. Northumberland borders Cumbria. The county Cumbria Durham, Massacre. No. And Tyne and Wear. Is it Tyne and Wear or Tyne is it Tyne and Wear? Tyne and Wear. Mm. Northumberland is at the border of Scotland. So for people who don't really know the country or don't know the area or people like me who live in the country and still have no idea, I found some stuff out on Wikipedia about Northumberland. So it has traditions that are not found anywhere else in England. It's a bit of a weird place. So these include the Rapper Sword Dance, the Clog Dance and Northumbrian Small pipe, which is a small chamber instrument quite unlike the Scottish bagpipe. It also has its own tartan, or Czech, which is sometimes referred to in Scotland as shepherd's tartan. And traditional Northumberland music has more similarity to lowland Scottish and Irish music than it does to the other areas in the UK, because it reflects those strong links with Scotland and Irish. Um, some notable people who come from Northumberland include Sting, Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, and Ross Noble. I only picked people that I like, so.
0: There's, Why I
1: pet? There's plenty of others. Someone else who I was interested in to see from this area was Alexander Armstrong of Armstrong and Miller or Pointless. And he was born in Rothbury, where this case will conclude. Ooh. So I'm going to be taking you back to 2010, and it's in Rothbury. What high profile case will I be covering?
0: I know this one because I remember Gazza Turner.
1: Yes, he and did. And he's from yep.
0: Tyne and mm-hmm. I think it's Moat. It
1: is Rammo. So I remember this case being all over the media. Um, However, a bit embarrassing, I might find it and screenshot it and share it with everybody. I saw a headline in the papers or online or something which said about a moat being a danger to the public. And I thought like people had been drowning in like a castle. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, that's interesting, clicked into it. And then obviously realised it was really, really bad. The manhunt for Raoul Moat lasted a week. People in the area were told to stay indoors. There was a real lockdown and armed police just trawled the area for the gunmen. Police even brought in survival expert Ray Mears to help them in tracking down Moat. And local schools had the police stationed at the gates to make sure that the the people were protected. So, Raoul Moat was born on the 17th of June, 1973, and he was brought up mainly by his grandmother, as his mum had bipolar disorder, and she'd spent a lot of time in mental hospitals. He grew up with his half-brother called Angus in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. At the time of this story, he was 37 years old and in his life he had been a tree surgeon, a panel beater and a bouncer. I had to look into what the hell a panel beater was. Do you have any idea?
0: Is that someone who gets dents out of cars? It
1: is! I literally had no idea. I assumed it was something to do with, like, making panels for furniture. But no, yeah, someone who repairs vehicle bodies back to their factory state after having been damaged. Moat was a really imposing figure. He was six foot three. He weighed approximately 17 stone. And if you've seen pictures of him, he was a pretty beefy looking guy.
0: Didn't he used to be a bouncer?
1: He did. Um, he was a former bodybuilder as well. I did say he was a bouncer earlier, Mark. Were you Sorry, listening? wasn't listening. <laughs> he did used to be a bouncer, yeah. According to relatives as well, he was prone to angry outbursts and he had real issues with his temper. I've also read in a number of places that he used steroids. So whether he used steroids and that encouraged the anger issues or if he was already an angry person and it was just exacerbated by that, I'm not sure.
0: There are known links between steroid yeah. abuse and anger. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, yeah, I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah he was arrested 12 times for seven different offenses but he was never convicted so he was arrested a lot for different things but this stopped in 2010 he was arrested and convicted for assaulting a nine-year-old child that was a family member of his and he was sentenced to 18 weeks in prison and this is where our story really begins because he had two children from a previous relationship and a young baby with his girlfriend samantha And while he was in prison for this assault, he received a phone call, and that was what was going to change everything. Two days before he was due to be released, Samantha had called Rao to tell him that she was breaking off their relationship. She was really scared of him, so she lied and said her new relationship was with a policeman. She kind of hoped that this would, like, put him off coming to get her back or get him to sort of stay away. But actually, this was just like a red rag to a bull. So Moat basically decided he had nothing left to live for, so he wasn't really shy about saying this to guards and other inmates in the prison, and reportedly he changed straight away from this phone call. He'd gone from this quiet family man that was just getting on with his prison sentence into what other people have said is a mess. He couldn't sleep. He was telling people that without his girlfriend and his baby, there was just no point in him being alive.
0: I can understand that because he's in prison. He's probably focusing on when he's going to be released and what Mm -hmm. that's going to look like. And that's all gone to shit.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was also really paranoid anyway. And I think for Sam to be worried about him coming out and wanting to get back together and for her to be so scared of him... It's obviously something else there. But he was even asking his friend, Carl Ness, who is going to come up again in this story time and time again, he'd actually asked him to spy on Sam to try and catch her with other men while he was in prison. So he was clearly really paranoid anyway. In one particular conversation, he had this particular conversation with a notorious criminal called Stephen Sayers. The two men had known each other from back in the day when they used to see each other in Newcastle Town Centre. So he was a bouncer at this point and he'd see Sayers in town. And he'd sent a letter over to Sayers' cell and he poured his heart out. He went into loads of detail about how he was feeling. And Sayers was this type of guy who people would always send him letters and ask him for various things like help or advice. So it wasn't really unusual for him. He described this letter as a man in pain. You could tell he was suffering. He said, I just felt sorry for the lad. He never said he was going to go out and kill people. And if he had, I would have tried to stop him. They spent 20 minutes together the day before Moat was released. And Sayers had said to him... I told him if he couldn't be good, to be careful. He obviously didn't take my advice. We all know what happened next. It was only after he saw everything that followed that I'm going to go into on TV that he realised just how much moat was hurting from this breakup. And he said, quote, I realised that what he had been saying, it only made sense afterwards. I saw it on the telly and I was just a bit stunned. It all fell into place. He then flushed that letter down the loo because he was kind of like, I need to get rid of it. And if Moat was captured alive, it couldn't be used as evidence against him. Because of how much he'd changed since the phone call from Sam, and due to his fragile mental state, the prison sent a warning to the police about Moat. And they said to them basically, This is a worry for us. He has had this phone call and he's saying things like, My life means nothing. You need to watch out. He's being released in two days. Can you look into this? But because his criminal history wasn't really that bad, okay, obviously he'd had those 12 different things he'd done. This was his first conviction. So they didn't see him as this violent criminal that they would usually if he'd been in prison for those 12 things and so they didn't really take too much notice. Psychologists have since said that Moat put much of his energy into blaming other people. They believe that by the time he was jailed for the assault he was close to having a paranoid psychosis. He really was a paranoid guy and he had like this feeling sorry for himself because he's such a victim sort of personality. He always thought people were out to get him and the world was against him. He often said things during what's about to happen. Like, it's just part of that hunting season on Mr. Moat. And I'm trying my best and my best is never good enough, no matter what. I can't please you. I can't please Sam. I can't please my kids and I don't please myself. He's just having a bit of a moaning about himself, isn't he? A psychiatrist who has made official statements about Moat is a woman called Dr. Van Valsen. She works with lots of different violent offenders, and she said that Moat couldn't empathise with other people, and he was paranoid. She said his feelings had overwhelmed him, saying, It's as if that state of extreme jealousy is one in which you're being totally persecuted by your partner. And you have to, in psychological self-defence, kill them to make yourself feel better. Fuck. I know. So he'd got to the point where he was literally thinking everyone was out to get him. There's another um, woman who's written about him who is a psychologist and criminal profiler, Laura Richards, which made me laugh because I have a friend called Laura Richards, so I was like, oh, imagine if it was is her. Is it her? It's not her. Oh. Um This is an actual psychologist and criminal profiler. She said, I don't think well snapped. I think that this was an accumulation of lots of things that had gone on. I think the decision to do what he did was a conscious choice. I think that this was about him taking control in the only way that he knew how, and that he felt that whenever anyone did wrong to him, he should therefore punish them. That sense of catastrophic loss with a personality like his meant that literally all hell broke loose. Oh, no. Are you ready for this episode, I'm fucking world? ready.
0: I remember some of this on the news at the time. Yeah. And I think it was one of those interesting cases because it was almost covered live mm-hmm. at the time. Exactly. So you could see the events unfolding. Mm-hmm. And there was this impending doom because you thought
1: what's gonna happen next yeah
0: and he he's obviously a bad guy but I remember thinking at the time is he gonna kill himself now yeah it was a real standoff yeah or who's gonna be there. next yeah. and you
1: mentioned earlier about the Cumbria massacre at this point by 2010 we had so much more social media than we had before and things like this would be suddenly so much more prevalent even in the areas that aren't affected directly
0: we should definitely do the Cumbria massacre as well yeah
1: I think so On Thursday, the 1st of July, Raoul Moat was released from Durham Prison. He posted an update to his Facebook page, which read, "'Just got out of jail. I've lost everything, my business, my property, and to top it all off, my lass has gone off with someone else. Watch and see what happens.' And he began his plan to get revenge on his ex-girlfriend. He had explained while in jail to another inmate that his, in quotes, mission was to get a gun, shoot Sam, shoot Sam's new boyfriend, Shoot Sam's mum for trying to split the couple up. Shoot the social worker that pissed Mote off. And shoot the psychiatrist for giving him a negative report. Point the gun at the police until they shot him. So he really was not planning to come out of this alive.
0: So he had spent his time in prison really thinking about all the people that had wronged him Mm -hmm. and thinking about this in some detail. I'm going to go out and I'm going to fucking kill them all. Definitely.
1: Exactly. So, he had a friend pick him up from prison who drove him back to the area that he was from and he stopped in at his friend Carl's house, the one who was spying on Sam. Carl was in charge while Moat was in prison of getting him a gun. So, Moat was waiting for Carl to go out and get the gun and he popped to go to a hairdresser and had his hair cut into a mohawk. Apparently, while he was in prison, he'd kind of been arranging all of this stuff with Carl over the phone.
0: Even getting the mohawk?
1: No, not the mohawk. That was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. Fair enough. Moat tried to call Sam, but she didn't want to speak to him properly. And she was more interested in making sure that Carl came round and sorted out some puppies that were at her house.
0: Is that a euphemism? No,
1: it was... She wanted <laughs> to... Don't make that noise. That's Sorry, horrible.
0: Man.
1: I'm glad nobody listening to this could see those disgusting hand motions she was doing. <laughs> no, she wanted Carl to come and get some puppies that were at her house. She hung up on Moat and refused to talk to him. So Moat carl and then their friend sean whose real name is kuram awan i'm glad that he's called sean because yeah. i don't know if i'm saying that correctly even
0: if he wasn't called sean we'd have just referred to him as sean would we or something is that throughout. what we're going to do from now on if it's yeah, someone's we'll name we're not
1: future. sure yeah so the three of them went and did some work on a bmw car they loaded it onto a van some just day-to-day things that they were just getting on and doing moat booked a doctor's appointment for the following monday but because why bother? of everything that happened he happens, knew what he was going to be doing i don't know but nobody knows why he booked that appointment he booked that appointment for the following monday he then began trying to work out who sam's new boyfriend chris brown was he knew chris was a karate instructor he knew that the classes he taught were near to sam's new house so he found a couple of options online and he went out with carl in the van to try and work out which dojo chris brown worked at but this was like 10pm, so they're driving around, but obviously everywhere's shut. It kind of shows a lot about these guys and their mental states and what they think is important, because it's 10 o'clock at night, you're never going to find stuff out, but they tried. When they got back to the house, Moat called his friend, who's called Anthony Wright, and he spoke to him for like two hours. He was a really good friend of Moat's, who'd been there for him loads of times before, and one occasion in particular that stood out to me was when Sam had broken up with Moat in the past, Anthony had talked about of committing suicide. So this was really someone that he would have trusted to talk about his mental state at this point.
0: So he was really unbalanced even back mm-hmm. then.
1: This time before, when Anthony had talked about of committing suicide, he had also called Sam on Moat's behalf and had got her to take him back. So he's a real good friend of Moat's to be honest. At about 2am on the 3rd of July, so Thursday the 1st, he got released. So this is the Saturday, very early hours of Saturday morning. According to Moat, he went to Sam's parents' house because he knew that Sam and the boyfriend, Chris, were hanging out there. And he sort of sat under the front window, like the front room window, and listened to them. Obviously, we don't know what for definite what they were saying, but it riled Moat up. He sent a message to Carl saying something about how they were slagging him off. So whatever they were saying was really upsetting him and you can understand that oh my dickhead of an ex-boyfriend's just been released from prison i was going
0: to say of course they have been talking about him two before he's been released from prison so they're probably talking about we kind of scared what he could potentially yeah. do
1: or oh i'm glad i got out of that you know yeah, thing, that anything, relationship yeah. yeah and anything that she said is going to upset him even if she hasn't said anything particularly inflammatory when he sent that message to his friend he, he said something like Watch what happens next. So, again, he's not exactly being quiet about what he's about to do. He jumped up and he fired the shotgun that Carl had got him through the living room window. Sam's mum literally got on the phone and called the police. And Chris Brown went outside and he went to confront Moat. He was shot at close range and he died almost instantly. With
0: a shotgun, that would be a horrific injury. Mm
1: -hmm. Moat then shot Sam and he shot her in the arm and the abdomen. And she was taken to hospital really quickly and she was really critical, but she had to have a liver operation. Luckily, she did survive the attack. Wow. But she was put under armed guard at the hospital because obviously they were really worried and moat fled. Luckily, the police knew exactly who'd committed this crime because Sam's mum had got on the phone to them straight away and notified them exactly who it was they were looking for. And Moat also began making threats to the police. So he was already mad at the police, anyways, because he thought that they'd got rid of his business and they'd put him in prison and all of this stuff. So now he decided he wanted to kill a police officer. He called 999 and he made an announcement that he was going to be doing this. Now, really sadly, this information wasn't passed on to the what? local police officers that were on their rounds. This has really been like a real bone of contention. There was a police officer called Police Constable David Rathband. He was sitting stationary in his patrol car on the roundabout of the A one and the A sixty nine roads, near to East Denton, and twelve minutes after the phone call to nine nine nine, warning the police, Moat turned up and shot him. His family have said, if the police had been told there's this gunman and he has made a threat against the police, they said he wouldn't have been sat stationary. He was doing his rounds that he would have carried on driving he would have been a lot more aware he perhaps could have known that someone approaching the car was going to do him the control
0: room could have called all officers Mm -hmm. back to the safety of the police station exactly he i know what happens there i know that name so as soon as you said that name i know the tragic consequences
1: exactly moat shot pc rathband he was taken to newcastle general hospital in a critical condition he had injuries to his head and his upper body Moat then called 999 again, just under an hour after he shot PC Rathband. In this call, he showed little remorse. He complained, the police aren't taking me seriously enough. During a press conference at 2pm that day, the police addressed all of their comments directly to Moat and they said, we are taking you seriously. Turn yourself in, think of your children and turn yourself in. They also confirmed that Sam's boyfriend was not linked to the police at all. This was a lie. Sam had told you this oh. is a lie to make you not go, you know, not go back to her. So he
0: wasn't a police officer? He wasn't linked to
1: the police. Sam had only said that to try and put Ralmo off.
0: But really, it had potentially had the opposite oh, effect. it had
1: the absolute opposite effect. Temporary Chief Constable Sue Sim publicly said, quote, Raul Thomas Moat is a wanted man. He is very dangerous and shouldn't be approached by a member of the public. The public were warned Time and time again, don't approach Moat. And the police said, We are using all of our resources to track him down. So the following day was Monday, and as people started their work sort of week going back to normal after the weekend, extra offices were brought in from forces that included Cleveland, Humberside, West Yorkshire, South Yorkshire, and Cumbria. The locals in this area were just in an absolute state of panic. You'd be worrying, wouldn't you? I've got to do my commute to work, there's this gunman at large. All I've heard this weekend is this terrible thing that's been happening since Saturday morning. Can you imagine trying to go to work? and?
0: It depends what they knew, though, because if they knew at that time that he was targeting people that he had a grudge against, I, if I knew that he didn't have a grudge against me, I wouldn't necessarily be concerned. If mm. all they knew was that there's a madman on the loose and he's killing people, Yeah.
1: I think the fact that the police are saying he should not be approached by a member of the public, that would worry me. And he's armed
0: and dangerous. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I just remember reading about this at the time and just, I was shit up and it, I live how many miles away?
0: 300?
1: God knows. I'm terrible at geography, so let's not get started on
0: okay.
1: that. <laughs> so Sam was now out of critical condition in the police, um, in the hospital, and the police did another public appeal. They read out a plea that she'd passed on for Moat saying, please give yourself up. A- If you still loved me and our baby, you would not be doing this. She also admitted, I lied to you about seeing a police officer. I lied to you because I was frightened. It's not true. The police released information about a car that they wanted to trace. And they also admitted to the public that they had been warned on the Friday about Moat. But they confirmed that this was not looked into fully. And they decided that this would be presented to the Independent Police Complaints Commission. So the IPCC. I should
0: think so. Yeah,
1: and they did a thorough look into this. On the 5th of July, there was a raid that focused on a house in North Kenton. It involved armed officers, dogs and a helicopter, but they didn't find Moat. More information then came out about the days that were leading up to Moat's attacks. Sam Stobart's half-sister, Kelly, told the press that Moat had updated his Facebook status with a hit list. This included her and other family members, and she said, he said he will take out any police that get in his way.
0: Can you imagine seeing that post mm-hmm. and seeing that you're on the hit list?
1: And knowing that he's already gone and shot your sister.
0: Yeah, I'd want armed guards at that yeah, point.
1: Yeah, I'd be absolutely terrified. I'd be living in a police station. I'd be like, put me in a cell. Yeah. <laughs> I I'd, don't
0: get, care. I'd get the fuck out of the country. Well,
1: yeah. And then the police also said they'd received a 49-page letter, which was originally given by Moat to his friend late on the 3rd of July, so two days ago. 49 pages. That's like this fucking John
0: Ramsey's yeah ransom note it is
1: it's ridiculous it's a fucking manifesto it is it's like in friends 18 pages and airbag yeah ridiculous he had written this so you can tell his mental state is not where it should be at this point the letter included warnings that the police were going to pay for what they had done and it also said the public need not fear me but the police should as i won't stop till i'm dead In this letter, he said he felt like his children, his freedom, his house, and then his ex-partner and their daughter had all been taken away from him.
0: He He... knew at this point this was going to end with his death.
1: He did, didn't he? So he didn't
0: give a fuck. He was going to go out to get revenge on anyone who'd fucked him over in his head Mm -hmm. and kill them, and he didn't care the consequences.
1: Yeah. He admitted in this letter he had issues and he was running out of options, and he knew that he had these issues, but he did say, I've never been violent to my children. So he's even then trying to justify some of his actions. At ten fifty p.m. on the fifth, a local chippy was the scene of an armed robbery,
0: and a fucking chip shop.
1: Chip shop, but he needed food, didn't he? But an armed
0: robbery. I want a bag of chips. Or well, I'm blow I don't your know what off. he tried
1: to steal. Actually, he might have wanted the money. I don't know. But it was an armed robbery by a man who resembled Moat, and later on, it was confirmed by the police that this Definitely was actually him. him. Yeah. On the morning of the sixth of July, a house in Reckington. Or Rankenton, I don't know how you say it, was raided by the police and a man was detained. The car that the police were looking for was found near Rothbury and they set up exclusion zones. They discovered two men who claimed to be hostages of Moats, but they were actually Carl from earlier and Quoran, Sean, oh, sure. Sean sure. from earlier as well. So basically, they told the police that they were hostages, but they weren't.
0: So they were in on it with Moat?
1: Yeah, they had been from the beginning. So they were taken in by the police as potential hostages. Then a day or two later, they actually were arrested because the police could see in CCTV footage that they were not under any sort of duress. They were quite happy to go along with everything. When they were found um, and when they were convicted in the court case, there was a helicopter footage shown to the jury and the police were throwing stun grenades at the car that they were trying to flee from the police in. They clearly weren't hostages in this situation. So the manhunt was well and truly underway. Over the course of the week, attempting to track moat were normal police officers and armed officers. There was 160 armed officers deployed and this was like 10% of everyone available in England and Stop. Wales at that point. There were snipers, police who were in terrorist, like anti-terrorist vehicles, not terrorist vehicles. I don't know why I put they were in terrorist ones. Anti-terrorist vehicles. There were police dogs, love a dog, um, helicopters, the Air Force that lent them a jet. Wow. And, of course, Ray Mears off the telly.
0: Yeah, and Gaza, which I'm sure you're going to come on to. Well,
1: he wasn't really there to help, though, was he? He brought
0: food for Moat.
1: He did. So armed officers were stationed at schools all across the area. Pupils were kept under temporary lockdown because there was that fear that Moat might be close by. Eventually, the children were allowed to go home, but residents were encouraged to stay in your house and the armed patrol sort of circled the area. Any vehicles coming in or out of the area were subject to road checks. And the police offered a ten thousand pound reward for moat's capture. I think they could
0: have offered more.
1: Do you think I think that's quite if a you lot? Think of
0: all the money that they're spending on tracking him down. Yeah, but they've
1: got nothing left, I guess. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I when know, you've got I a think... jet
0: and a fucking helicopter, dogs, ten yeah. percent of the entire mm-hmm. police force across the UK.
1: And that's only ten percent of the armed officers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's even more. It's ridiculous. Moat then reportedly burgled a house in a village two miles from Rothbury, and the family basically came home to find all the curtains were drawn and the electricity was off, so the house was pitch black. Not much was taken except for a load of food. So Moat needed food. He'd gone on the ramp. I was just going to say,
0: when you said that he'd burgled a house, I imagined that wasn't for sort of financial gain. It Mm. was just to survive.
1: And that's why I think the chippy probably was. I need food. And he's
0: got no money with him. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Police raided buildings on a disused farm called Pike House when they received a tip-off from the landowners because they'd seen one of the boards in a window had been removed, but they still didn't find Moat. He kept on writing to the police as well. He kept on writing to them all the time. And at this point, he said he was at war with the police and he wasn't going to stop until he was dead. And there was another farm called Wagtail Farm where police found evidence of Moat hiding there. The family had seen smoke and found a campfire... There was also a broken fence and slats missing from an outbuilding. So when the police searched, they found a tent there and it was in a really secluded spot near a river. So a great hiding place to be fair to him. On the morning of the 7th, the police announced that they knew roughly where he had been hiding. In this tent, they'd found another letter to Sam from Moat. And he continued to think that Sam's boyfriend was connected to the police. He would not believe that he wasn't. But had
0: he seen the press conference yeah, where... Okay, yeah, he was saying things like, nope, it's "No, it's
1: yeah. So David Cameron described the weekend shootings as a horrific case. He was speaking at Prime Minister's questions and he added, the whole house and the whole country will be wishing the police well in their search for this individual so that we can put a stop to this horrendous spree that has been taking place. And Sam's dad made an emotional plea for Moat to hand himself in as well, saying, son, please, this has to stop. We don't want anyone else hurt. No more, son. Although he apparently said knee more, son, but I'm not going to say that.
0: You just did.
1: Just did. I want no one else hurt. This has gone too far. I am a family man and my heart is in bits. Please hand yourself in.
0: What's interesting about that is the police would have had a very detailed hand in Mm -hmm. what was actually said Mm -hmm. so as much as they were possibly his sentiments the police would have dictated really what what he was going to say to him
1: exactly so the police were joined then by officers from london's metropolitan police west yorkshire constabulary south yorkshire humberside cleveland strathclyde greater manchester and cumbria combined fucking
0: hell yeah so there were no police left in the rest of the country.
1: Apparently, this extra manpower that was drafted in could reportedly be sustained for several weeks without wow. affecting the armed response operations anywhere else in the country. So, that's apparently, good to know. they could do that and still deal with other shit in the other rest of the world.
0: It could be that they just put an embargo on annual leave, that yeah, kind of thing. I and get overtime, yeah, I think that's
1: Yeah, you would have just said everyone, like your, your weekends cancelled or whatever. Well, it's the middle of the week here. And the MOD lent them a Royal Air Force plane as well to help in the search so i know nothing about planes so i don't know what this is but it was called a tornado gr4 it was fitted with raptor reconnaissance pod that was used overnight to search the area with an infrared camera so it flew over rothbury a second time later the next day and they compared the images so i'm guessing to see if there's any movement they know that there could be someone there there were a few more raids done across the area but moat was still at large rothbury was under lockdown. And the police announced that they believed Moat was also a threat to the wider public because he was getting angry about news articles that were written about him. So like you said earlier, this really was the sort of case where if you look back at the news pages from this time, it is minute by minute. This has just happened. That's just happened. This press conference has just happened. And on the 8th, the police did request a news blackout. There was like a voluntary agreement between the Association of Chief Police Officers and the media about his personal life. They'd found a dictaphone that he had been speaking into... They had, like, four hours of ramblings on it.
0: fucking hell. This guy just fucking loves
1: loves, himself. He He loves writing long
0: fucking Mm -hmm. letters and then recording four hours of himself. Fuck off.
1: Yeah, honestly, he had so much he wanted to say. He was talking on this dictaphone about how information was wrong. The people talking to the press did not know what they were talking about. He threatened to kill one member of the public for every inaccurate article that was published.
0: So it really had changed t- yeah, now. I'm really not had. going after people that fucked me off. I am going to now go after the public as well. Yeah,
1: they did think that the journalists were probably really key targets. But also, how is he going to know if someone's a journalist or not? He was going to get somebody any time there was an inaccurate information published. They tried to get articles removed online, but obviously, this is pretty much impossible. Raoul Moat was the top trending topic or words on Twitter someone actually wrote on Twitter I can see Raoul Moat has got his own TV show The News fuck Mm mhm some people have wondered whether the media reporting on the Cumbria shootings that happened a month before had had an impact on Mo. I
0: can't believe that was only a month before It was then. literally a month wow. before.
1: So on the 2nd of June, lone gunman Derek Bird had killed 12 people and injured 11 others before he shot himself, and this was in Cumbria. There was so much reported about this case, and some people have criticised the press for sensationalising it. Alongside this as well, there's been loads of criticism of the press because they were kind of saying things that were glamorising Raoul Moat as well. There was descriptions of him having a hulking physique and being a notorious hard man. And they provided noticeably less coverage to the victims, both in the Cumbria shootings and also in this case as well. Sky News, when they were reporting about Moat, used police-issue body armour and bits of weapons in the background of the studio as props.
0: No. Yeah, so... I wondered where you were going with that. That's horrendous. Yeah.
1: So there's been a lot of criticism about this. But then the press really can't do anything right because while Moat was annoyed with them for printing wrong things about them. Then when they try and say nice things about him, they're getting stick from everyone else. So, (laughs) What was also really worrying for the families of Moat's victims was just how many people were on Moat's side on social media. What? They were calling him a hero and they started posting on a Facebook tribute page for him saying, good on ya. This was deleted shortly after. So by now, it was Friday the 9th. Moat had been out for over a week and he'd been on the run for six days. A public meeting was held in Rothbury to reassure locals that the police were doing everything that they could and there was a real sense of panic gripping not just this area but the entire country. Moat's uncle made an appeal and fresh CCTV footage was released for the public to see with his new haircut and what he looked like. They released descriptions of his clothing and everything. That day a cordon was set up around the National Trust's Cragside estate. The police reported that they had found three different mobile phones that had been used by Moat in recent days. And then in the early evening of the 9th, residents of Rothbury were told to stay indoors because a major security operation was taking place. This was that Moat had been found and he was surrounded by the police. They had made a hundred metre cordon on the banks of the rig- river river coquette, I wanna say, but that's River seem, Coquette. That seems a bit fancy. What do you think that is? I think it's I River can't Coquette. See it. Just We're... there.
0: Coquette, yeah. Well, I'm
1: gonna say coquette. It's very French. Very fancy. It was close to a rainwater culvert that runs under the village. What the fuck is that? Like a big deep drain thingy. Okay. Yeah, like a it big enough that people can go in.
0: Good place to hide a body then. Oh. Potentially. Well,
1: that that escalated. We know where Mark's going to be hiding his victims. Oops. So, Moat was holding his sawn-off shotgun to his head. They brought food and water to him during this standoff, and also his best friend Tony was taken to the scene by the authorities to try and get Moat to surrender. And who else turned up? Gaza. Poor Gascoigne. So the former England footballer had apparently done 14 lines of coke and was off his head when he showed up. In his dressing gown, holding his fishing rod and claiming to know Moat. He promised the gunman chicken and lager if he gave himself up.
0: His heart was in the right place.
1: The police wouldn't let him in. They did not let him go through to talk to to Moat and that's probably a good thing. I didn't want to go on about this too much. But it is fucking hilarious.
0: Uh, I can understand why you don't want to go on on about it too much, because there is a danger that this Mm trivialises it, and it is funny to say, oh, Gaz has turned up, he's drunk, he's high, he's offering a bribe of chicken and lager Mm -hmm. if this guy gives himself up, but it's not funny.
1: No. And this is the thing. Like, it has gone down in UK history as that classic sort of thing. Like, people remember it. He has since described the night, because obviously he's been very vocal about the problems that he faced. So I wanted to just read a couple of bits from it, and then we will get back to the story. Just because I do find it really interesting.
0: Just for the benefit of any international listeners, yeah. this guy's Paul Gascoigne, an England footballer, very famous back in the yeah, day. Yeah,
1: he was. And he still is now. He does, like tours and stuff where he talks about his life. He's also been very vocal about his addictions with alcohol and drugs and his struggles that he's faced as well. I remember hearing something about when he played for England, he took like an emu onto the pitch when they were training and then this, or like an ostrich, like a big bird, and like turned up with this bird and then it ran around and played football with them while they practiced
0: he was obviously drunk
1: probably so in quotes reported by the sun he said at first he was like half cut he had a load of coke lined up and he sort of knew of Raoul Mozart in his mind they were kind of buddies had a few more lines and they went to school together he was making this up in his head like he was thinking we went to school together he used to go fishing in Rothbury so straight away he was like oh I know that area maybe he wants to go fishing with me After like 11 lines, he's thinking to himself, well, if Raul Moat's in the woods, he's going to be cold. So I'll get him a coat and I'll get him some chicken and he's going to need a drink. So he takes his fishing rods and he gets a taxi and he said, I've got chicken. And he says to the taxi driver, like, just go. And the taxi driver's like, what, where are we going? And the taxi driver's like, no. And he's like, yep, this is where we're going. I said, just drop me off. I won't be long. I can help him. I've been to rehab so many times. I'm a connoisseur. I can help him out. And then the police come over and they're like, where are you going? And he's sort of like, well, I can help him. He said, go home. So Gaza just goes home, wakes up the next morning with like 250 missed calls, remembers nothing of the night before. Like he literally knew nothing of what had happened. He turned on like sky news and realizes like shit i was there and he didn't even realize what he'd done
0: that is like the shit of nightmares waking up and thinking oh i got really drunk last night yeah i I wonder if i did anything wrong and then turning sky news on and seeing that you went to the site of a fucking mass killer yeah to try and help
1: to try and help with your fishing rod and some chicken we've all had those moments haven't we where we've woken up the next morning you know like shit i don't it's a bit of a blur
0: Fortunately, I've never done that though.
1: Never done that either. So anyway, sorry for the little segue, but I I do quite enjoy that little. You've story. completely
0: glamorised and sensationalised it now.
1: I quite like Gascoigne though. So hmm. I
0: don't. I think he's a dick.
1: Let's go back to Realmo. Yeah. So the police um, they'd obviously surrounded Realmo and they got closer and closer. They distracted him by negotiators until they were about seven meters away. They had used sort of like lights to shine towards him so he couldn't see them behind the lights and stuff from one side. On the other side they used the riverbank to hide themselves so they were really clever and they kind of movement movemented him. There's photos that can be found online which show him on his knees with the gun held to his head.
0: I've seen those, mm. yeah.
1: The police realised Moat was getting to the end of his tether when he was saying things like, Tell the kids I love them. Tell Sam I'm sorry. He told negotiators that he had only slept for two hours in the whole past two days. And he said, if I give myself up, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in a stinking rotten jail cell. So they made the decision. This guy is going to try and kill himself. They needed to disarm him.
0: Do you know what the weird thing is? Having a good knowledge of this case, Mm -hmm. I still don't know whether he killed himself or not. Oh, okay. Which I know will obviously come on to now.
1: So they crept forward. And the standoff continued until about one fifteen am on the 10th when Raoul Moat did shoot himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the police used two tasers on him when they were a couple of feet away from him in an attempt either to disarm him or at least incapacitate him just so that he couldn't shoot himself. Only one of these took hold and the streams didn't actually stop him and Moat pulled the trigger on his sawn-off shotgun and shot himself in the head. It isn't certain for definite whether they tasered him and that made him pull the trigger or if he pulled the trigger as they were I doing or whatever it, it was. I I think but he knew he his time was up
0: and this was the last chance he had to take control.
1: No officers were injured in the standoff and an ambulance arrived to transfer moat to Newcastle General Hospital. He was pronounced dead on arrival at 2.20am shortly after he'd arrived. The police soon discovered that a nearby storm drain was probably where he'd been hiding out. They did a fingertip search of the area that night And locals have explained that the area is well known. Children would often play in there. So it's not surprising that someone with knowledge of the local area would have been able to hide in there. It's made of really thick concrete too. So those infrared cameras would not have been able to find very Um. easily. The tunnel runs from this area back into town. So this is going to explain quite easily how he was able to avoid capture. If he was spotted in town or doing these robberies on chip shops and stuff, that's how he managed to flee quite quickly. On the 13th, an inquest was opened and Moat's cause of death was confirmed as a gunshot wound to the head. The inquest was adjourned until September and the cause of death side of things was completed after a three-week inquest on the 27th of September and the verdict was given as suicide. The senior IPCC investigator confirmed that during the final confrontation, Moat had been shot by two officers with taser guns in an apparent attempt to prevent him from killing himself It was still not clear whether the tasers were fired before or after he turned the gun on himself, but he definitely shot himself. There has been a lot of controversy around the tasers that were used, so at the inquest it was revealed that the type of taser used was a long-range XREP taser, which operates without wires. A Home Office spokesman said that these tasers were currently subject to testing by the Home Office Scientific Development Branch, and it was found that the Protect Systems, the company that had supplied them, Had actually breached its license by supplying them to the police because they were experimental. Home Secretary Theresa May, now Uh, now Theresa May, subsequently revoked the firm's license because they confirmed that the tasers were never officially sort of approved for use. It's a really sad sort of turn of events, but on the 1st of October 2010, a former policeman, Peter Boatman, who was a director of Protect Systems, was found dead at his home as a suicide. One of his colleagues said that he was a proud man and he'd felt so ashamed of this.
0: God, but I don't really think that that had too much to do with it.
1: Yeah, but he obviously felt It's only felt Round so Moat who killed himself. But his company was like under investigation from the Home Secretary, Theresa May. Like, yeah. He would have felt awful. But I felt really sad for him. Like That shouldn't have That's been terrible. the only way that he felt he could get out.
0: And I feel like there's another tragic suicide coming mm-hmm. up, Bethan.
1: There is. So the final section of the inquest, which focused on the standoff and Moat's death, was finished in September 2011. They confirmed that the cause of death was suicide, and they cleared the police of any wrongdoing in firing tasers at him. So whether or not they were ones that were authorised or not, it doesn't matter. Police were allowed to do that. So Carl Ness and Sean, I'm going to say Sean, were at first taken in by the police, obviously pretending to be hostages, but they were then arrested a couple of days later on, Conspiracy to commit murder charges and possession of a firearm with intent. They were convicted of assisting Moat for conspiracy to murder, attempted murder and robbery. They had helped Moat stay one step ahead of the law. And during his rampage in July, Carl was with Moat during the first shooting. He helped get away. Sean had helped them by driving the getaway car to the woodland And the next day, Sean was driving moat when they came across a PC Rathband. So they were really a part of it. They tried to say that they weren't, but the jury just weren't having any of it. Carl and Sean helped him to rob that chip shop. And they set his campsite up. So they were really helping him out. Yeah. Some of the crucial evidence against the men were these hostage letters, which proved that they were just pretending. Because Sean wrote to his sister saying it's my friend that's holding me hostage i'm actually safer than safe i'm actually in a safe location out of harm's way burn this letter after you've read it but she fucking didn't
0: stupid
1: bitch (laughs) and cctv footage had shown the pair looking really calmed and relaxed because they were running errands for ramo during his rampage the jury didn't believe the hostage story and they just found them guilty. Kingsley Highland, a senior CPS lawyer,
0: said outside of Kingsley Highland, that sounds like a place. That is
1: such a cool name, though, <laughs> isn't it? a Scottish it?
0: place.
1: Maybe it is a Scottish place. Maybe a county in Scotland decided to go into law. Yeah. So, Kingsley Highland, a senior CPS lawyer, said outside court it was the Crown's case that Carl Ness and Quaram Awan at different times... Sean. Sean, at different times, willingly engaged with Moat in full knowledge of what his intentions were. The jury have accepted that. And outside court, PC Rathman said, my family and I are extremely pleased with the verdicts that have been delivered. He branded the two of them as um, liars and said, I have a lifetime to live and they have a lifetime to reflect. I am sure I am in a better place than them. But what is really sad is, like you sort of hinted at, he actually died in February 2012. Sadly, he was found hanged at his house So when he was shot by Moat, he suffered injuries that literally left him disabled for the rest of his life. They left him blind. And his twin brother, Darren, had started a charity while he was recovering that basically helped emergency services staff that were injured in the line of duty. PC Rathband was like the leading light of this charity. But in private, he was really struggling to cope with his disability. His sister, Debbie, raised concerns and the police went and did a welfare check. And yeah, sadly, he hung himself. That's
0: really sad. And I think his life had you know with respect to him and his family I think his life had really started to fall apart after this Mm -hmm. incident because I know that his wife also left him yeah before really I didn't know that oh that's
1: awful so yeah he'd had to adjust his entire life and then oh god I didn't know that as well he'd have
0: had like PTSD definitely what happened
1: absolutely would have done so yeah really quite a horrible case to be honest and it This is the thing with this one, is it wasn't just Raoul Moat shot some people. There were so many people that have been affected. Even people who aren't even, you know, necessarily linked to this, who didn't get shot, didn't have any sort of impact with it, they probably are still very nervous because they knew that their town was in lockdown. They would have been terrified to go out of their house. So, yeah.
0: I think it was a really interesting case because I remember the Gaza stuff. Mm. There's lots I remember, but there's lots I don't remember. And I never knew that it happened just after the Cumbria shootings. Yeah, change. it
1: literally was a month later and I think that's why I really wanted to do this is like episode 10 because it is one of those cases where you think you know it and actually when I was going through it I was like oh, I didn't know that he kept on writing all these letters or producing all this stuff like 49 page letters talking about why he was so wronged
0: We'd like to say a massive thank you today for listening to yeah. the episode episode 10, the thank momentous Thank you for joining episode.
1: us, yeah I'm really pleased with us that we've got to 10. Me too Yeah, high five. (laughs) That's embarrassing. We shouldn't high five. No. Deary me. Um, Thank you everybody as well who's been getting in touch on social media. Thank you as well for everyone who has given us reviews on iTunes.
0: If you've got a minute, please do rate and review us. We'd love that feedback.
1: Yeah, we love hearing from everybody. So do come and have a chat. Also, if you wanted to help us out on Patreon, please do have a little look at our page.
0: And don't forget to come and join us on the discussion thread about the case. And you'll see that on Facebook.
1: Yes, I think I'm going to try and find the... um... So if you go on Facebook and you're on your own profile, you can search for keywords and it will bring up what you were talking about at the time. So I found that status update that I post. Honestly, it's embarrassing because obviously how old was I? Like 20. So don't judge me on the fact that I probably put lol at the end of everything. But yeah, see what you were writing about it at the time. It'd be interesting to see. Put a little um, screen print if you find it.
0: All that remains for us to say then is thank you for joining us once again. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you next week.
1: Bye. Bye.